Hello, everybody. This is Here Comes the Spider Cast, the comic book podcast that reviews Bronze Age Spider Man comics. I am your co host, Mike L., and as always, I'm joined by Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to be talking about Spider Man comics from May of 1982. Uh, we're going to start off with The Amazing Spider Man number 228, then move to Marvel Team Up 117, and then finish things off with Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider Man number 66. That's right, and this month's Amazing Spider-Man is actually a, technically it's a fill-in issue. Right. So it's not the regular writer, uh, Roger Stern. This is written by a guy, to be honest, I had never heard of before this week. Yeah, neither have I. Um, but I did look him up, and it turns out he is a novelist as well as a comic book writer. And so, and I think that shows, I actually thought the story was pretty good. What did you think? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Um... It was like, different. Yeah, it didn't feel like a classic Spider-Man story. That's for sure. Um, yeah. It had a little bit more like horror elements to it, and yeah, um, we see Spider-Man kind of doing some like detective work a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit unusual for a Spider-Man comic, but mm-hmm. definitely like the one thing I want to say about it is is that it's self-contained, right? Like it doesn't yes. really touch on his uh, supporting cast. I don't think. So it could really fit in every anywhere. It doesn't really necessarily have to be right here, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I don't mind that a whole lot, especially when each month we're getting three different Spider-Man stories. Um, sure. So like having one uh, one issue being about like Spider-Man and just kind of like a one-off story with him and then the Marvel team-up kind of has him thrown in with like a bigger universe and other characters and then uh, Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man really feels like um, like an ensemble cast almost like you, you always see him with his classmates and Deb there so yep. like I, I think it works pretty well and it fits in with the, the month right I agree so yeah I, I had fun with this one yeah, me too. And uh, I will also mention the uh, the pencils are by Rick Leonardi, who's one of my personal favorite '80s artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've come across him before on this I think show. So. Yeah, but I'm I'm mo- most familiar with him from um, he did Cloak and Dagger, the, the the first series. I think he also did a few fill-in issues of Daredevil that were really good. And then he was also the regular artist on Spider-Man 2099. Okay. Yeah. So and he's got a very unique style. But funny enough, in this issue. His style is overwhelmed by the inker Dave Simons, who I'm not overly familiar with. Right. The good thing about this artist is he does make the art look like Steve Ditko. So mm-hmm. if you're into that, it's good. Uh, what did you think of the art? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Um, there's definitely some great layout stuff in here mm-hmm. too, and some uh, good action moments where you can really follow what's happening in the story, which I'm right. always a big fan of. If they, you don't need a lot of. Uh, uh, bubbles with dialogue and stuff like that. It's 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 better right. in my opinion. Um, so there's some pretty good stuff in here. There's there's some also like really big panels. Like there's a lot of pages with like four panels, which is great. Uh, yep. I I really love some of that storytelling. You really kind of get some uh, nice detailed drawings and some close up close ups of Spider Man on uh, digital page twelve in particular. There's some. Uh, I think really good stuff. Even the inking, I think, is really strong. Yes, on this page. So yeah, yeah I, I definitely um, enjoyed it this this week, and I think it lends to the story as well. Yes. So which yeah, we'll talk about that right now. So I'll give the brief rundown of what the story mm-hmm. is. So basically, 
again, right from the first page, this is not what we're used to with Spider-Man. So instead of swinging, you know, on a skyscraper or through a city street, we see him in front of this really old style building with rain, you know, pouring off of the, I guess, like the roof and, you know, and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. like, it's a really, it looks almost like a Will Eisner spirit page. And yeah. So I really it's like, like a it. gothic yeah. kind of old house and the shading really adds to that too. And right. makes it feel pretty spooky. Right, and so so Spider Man is swinging around, and he sort of is sort of just being drawn to this house, and he peeks in, and he sees this guy sitting there, and he even though he's drawn to it, he's like, oh well, he's like, I'm finding it. So, why am I finding it so hard to leave this place? It feels like I'm swinging upstream, but then he ends up swinging away anyway, and so then they the narr the narration basically describes that this guy who's sitting there in this giant house. Um, he's sitting there drinking tea and then all of a sudden there's a spider underneath his tea mm -hmm. and then you see another spider another spider and then basically he looks down and there's all these spiders on the ground and then he screams right so the assumption is is that he's been attacked or murdered by these spiders right it's pretty creepy too like I think that this this uh, this page does a really good job of like adding a little bit of horror elements to this right right even how like the shadows are inked on the old man's face in a couple yeah, of the, like, the pages or panels, it's really good. It would be right at home in like an old house of mystery or something like that. Yeah. Right? Like an old horror comic. Totally, totally. So then Spider-Man goes about his day and he does a typical Spider-Man thing. He he runs into like a bunch of toughs mugging someone. And then he all of a sudden feels this rage in him. So he starts beating the stuffing out of one of the guys. And then because of that the people who he technically rescued end up getting scared. Mm -hmm. And they kind of reiterate the whole Daily Beagle thing about Spider-Man being an uncontrollable maniac and blah, blah, blah. Right. So, Spi yeah, so Spider-Man kind of comes to his senses and walks away, and he can't really figure out what's going on. I don't blame him. It looks like that guy's wearing a Make America Great, a ha great hat again. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't blame him for, for not being able to control going himself. going nuts on him. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Yep. These are all Trump supporters, even though it's 1982. <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. So then S Peter Parker goes back to the Daily Bugle, and we get some, you know, some typical uh, antics with J. Jonah Jameson and Robbie Robertson. And then um, basically, okay, so then he finds out about this guy, the, the guy that he whose house he had been at has actually died. Mm -hmm. And the guy had no, um, what's it called, uh, no heirs. So they're going to auction off all of his stuff. Okay, so here we go. Schmidt, the guy's name is Schmidt. He left behind a small fortune in antique furniture and no living relatives to claim it. The whole estate's being auctioned off for back taxes next weekend. So Peter Parker decides that he's going to go. Right. And then meanwhile, we cut over to this bar where this guy is um, making a deal in this bar. And he, what is this? So he's buying a set of earrings off this guy. Right? Mm-hmm. And then we, okay, that's a pretty short scene. Then we cut over to, and then obviously that's going to come back later. Then we cut back to the scene, and of course, Peter Parker is going to this thing. So he's, who does he bring with him but Deborah Whitman, right? Right. His on-again, off-again sort of girlfriend that he treats like shit. Right. And so, so he goes to this auction, and the, whatever this guy is, I don't know if he's a butler, or, what, or he, maybe he's just like the auctioneer guy. He's kind of like being really rude to them, to Peter and, and Deborah. Um, and then, okay, help me out here. So then what happens here? So then he takes off. Right. But then he, he feels like the, the compelled to, uh, run again. 
Right. He, 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 it's not like the spider sense, but like something else is compelling him to leave. So right. he runs uh, to the building and he's uh, to this building and sees this woman that's being attacked by spiders again. And he sees these earrings that were sold to the to the guy on the woman. And he swipes the earrings before dropping her off at the uh, with the uh, ambulance. And the, right. the medics to take care of her and does some studying on them and realizes that there's some like electronics in there and something's going on. He doesn't re- really understand what it is yet. Um, right. And then from there, uh, the guy that's been using the spiders and these electronic devices to like assassinate people pretty much, he lures Spider-Man in with the uh, with that call after mm-hmm. he realizes that Spider-Man keeps showing up uh, to these places where he's trying to conduct these murders so he's like right. you know what i'm gonna take care of this i'll lure him here i'll kill kill him real quick and then i won't have any troubles uh doing these jobs anymore because he won't be coming in and and stopping me right so he lures them into he lures spider-man into his shop where he tries to um to kill him he places a bomb behind a door and kind of runs into the to the door and has it set to uh to trip whenever spider-man burst through and right. Spider-Man's spider senses go off so he makes a spider shield real quick mm-hmm. to uh, defend himself and um, that's pretty much where this ends like he goes through with the shield and isn't harmed too bad and uh, punches the guy out and the police show up right so and that's the thing the one thing I didn't really like was this is kind of like the way an old 60s Superman story would end where Superman would solve he would he would win the day and and you the reader would not understand yeah, how or why he, and he then solves he would it. explain it right he kind of right? solves it and comes up with like a new superpower off screen right we don't right. really see what happens um, right. I do I do really like the art and how they yes um, they do the flashback mm-hmm. uh, on digital page twenty two you see right. Spider Man describing it and you can kind of see above his head and behind him the retelling of what just happened with him making the shield and opening the door and bracing right. the, the art there is really cool. I love like the mm-hmm. pink shading and the yellow explosion right, coming towards right. him. I think that that is really good, but I don't think the storytelling really worked. Like I don't think it worked. Not story quite. Wise. No, um, no. So it's kind of a little bit of a letdown at the end. It would have been nice to just, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe have something set up, from the beginning or I don't know, not just yeah. throw it in at the last minute that he made a shield to protect right. himself. Right. That is definitely the weakest part of the story, but at least at the very end, as he's swinging away, he's like, well, let's see now. I hurt my shoulder, ripped my costume, forgot to take pictures for the bugle and didn't even find out that guy's name. Sheesh. Right. Maybe someday I'll get, get the hang of this crazy superhero business. So it is a very standard, which is a good thing, uh, Spider-Man ending, right? Where mm-hmm. he wins, but he doesn't really win, you know? Right. So. I, I honestly thought that um, he was going to slip the earrings into the guy's pockets or something like that. Okay. At the end, because it would have been kind of an interesting thing, because he had those earrings, right? Uh-huh. And then yeah. he went to go face him. So I thought maybe he would use that to his advantage and use it as a distraction maybe and have the spiders start c- climbing all over him. Yeah, that would have been better. You're right. Yeah. Because yep. uh, it would it would have been something from the start that could have been paid off later on. Right. So, yeah, a little bit disappointing. But I, yeah. I thought overall a pretty good issue. 
Yeah, and the other thing too is that I think the dialogue stood out as being really good. Like um, mm-hmm. on digital page, what is this, 19, original 18, when the bad guy's talking to him, he's like, yeah. you continue to underestimate me, Spider-Man. Once I learned of your sensitivity to my attractors, I realized you possessed the sixth sense like our eight-legged friends. It was simple to devise a circuit to negate that special sensitivity. Let's see how well you dodge bullets without it. So this is awesome because now mm-hmm. Spider-Man doesn't have a spider sense. It's just, you know, again, it's like, because this guy is a novelist, like it's just a little bit smarter than your right. average comic book plot, right? So. Yeah, and not not like not everything is over explained either. Right. Like I bought that that line of dialogue because it was well written. You don't right. really need to go into like how he developed this device to um, nullify his spider senses. Right. Right. You can kind of just if you if you um, if you write it well enough, we'll believe it. Exactly, hundred percent. Yeah, there there was no point in in the story where I was like, "Wait, how did he do that? Like, what what did he do to the device to like stop that?" No, it's. I think that we see how smart he is from the beginning, and we know he's the scientist that's working with technology and studying spiders, so it works. Right, right. And it's uh, believable from the start. So, and I just want to take a quick page from our pal Mike Dell from Flea Market Fantasy. Okay. I'm doing a little bit of research. And uh, I just want to mention, so the author's name is Jan, it's hard to pronounce, but it's Jan Stranad, I believe, right. he's Czech. And he also is credited sometimes as Jay Knight, but he's, I didn't realize this, he's actually been around a long time. He started working comics in 1971. Ooh, wow. Yeah, and uh, he did a whole bunch of work with Richard Corbin. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Richard Corbin. Uh, the, the name sounds familiar. What, what yeah, has he done? He's like a kind of like I don't want to say underground artist but he did a lot of work on heavy metal magazine and like uh just uh, I'm looking through the stuff here like I know I know his work because he did a, a um a Luke Cage story but okay. he's much more famous for working on heavy metal and stuff like that but he's kind of just been around forever but um but as far as this writer he he only did one issue of, of Amazing Spider-Man this was it he did a Marvel 2 in 1 uh and I think for Marvel that was it and then he did for dc he did the atom sorry sort of the atom number one to four and then sort of the atom special and then everything else he did was for other companies um it just oh he also did some star wars work in the 90s so yeah he's definitely a solid artist and and as we said the art was good definitely something different from what we're used mm-hmm. to and amazing. So I would say overall, I definitely recommend this issue. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would for sure recommend it. Um, I think the only really negative thing it has going for it is the the abrupt ending. Right. But other than that, it's it's a solid recommend. I agree. Yeah. And then that brings us to <gasps> Marvel Team Up number 117. Do we have so, to? Yeah, I know, eh? I had my hopes up because... Because it's as Wolverine. I, said, I know. I, yeah. I think this is only one of three... Uh, Wolverine Spider-Man team-ups in the entire decade and it's a piece of crap. Uh, do you want to summarize this story? <laughs> I don't even know what, how to describe this story. It's so freaking weird. I know. Um, we start off following Wolverine and he's <laughs> he's hunting this deer but not really hunting it. Like He's just trying to hone his like sneaking skills. skills so right. he sneaks up, sneaks up on this deer and tickles mm-hmm. it. And he gets scared and runs away. It's, and then these knights show up and... Ugh. Uh, it's I, all downhill. Yeah, these, the, the, these the knights... The opening scene 
at least it feels like a Wolverine story. Right. But then as soon as the knight shows up, you're right. It's all downhill. Like, why are these knights showing up? There's no time traveling going on. So mm. we find out later that that's just, like, how these goons dress. Right. Um, which is weird because the, the bad guy uh, eventually is revealed. And he's he looks like a businessman. Like, he doesn't even right. look like, like somebody who would have, like... <laughs> knights and horses on his team no, as goons I know. so it's really weird anyways uh we sh- we see that this um man in shadow is watching him on this uh tv and he mm-hmm. watches the knights kind of uh start fighting wolverine and bring him in after they gas him uh, and then these knights show up in space <laughs> spaceships and start attacking spider-man i don't know how or why but no. Spider-Man ends up tracking them through the forest, which isn't really explained. Like, I guess he he kind of sees them flying off out of the mm-hmm. city, but we just kind of cut to him, uh, f- like, swinging through the forest after um, we see that Wolverine's been thrown into, like, a jousting arena mm-hmm. with these robots. Um, so as Spider-Man's swinging through the forest, this big bad guy in shadows, he presses a button on his big control panel and a castle bursts through the ground. So then now we have Spider-Man uh, <laughs> in this castle and he ends up finding Wolverine. Um, I think it pretty much ends from there. We don't really <laughs> like we see them kind of going through and fighting a bunch of different like medieval things like. Um, there's also a giant robot right there's a giant robot they go and they're fighting like this room of uh, like what looks like uh, uh, Roman or like I don't even know how to describe they're they're in like togas yeah eating so fruit and stuff generic Greco-Roman yeah. right like not even yeah I don't know Anyways, it really leaves on leaves us on a cliffhanger because both Spider-Man and Wolverine don't really know what's going on, and they no. find this tunnel and run through it, and then it's revealed that uh, the big bad guy is Professor Power, mm-hmm. who is this businessman that I've never heard of. Yeah, it's I believe I've heard of Pro- Professor Power, but I don't know anything about him. Yeah, um, but I, I I just gotta say, you gotta wonder what incarnation were they thinking like, why did like why did they want to tell this story like what about it what right? is this story like it's it's not even really a story mm-hmm. i don't know uh, there, there's no like there it's like the beginning of a story I, I which i guess makes sense because it's a it's a part one of i don't know how many sure um but it doesn't even feel like this has its own arc like it no, really feels no. like just kind of a ramp up to another story um, because what we're left with is just Spider-Man and Wolverine being trapped in this like futuristic medieval castle. Right, right. Um, and they're going to explore to get to the bottom of things. Now, apparently, like I, I do remember this guy from Marvel Universe. He does have like a supervillain costume, but okay. here he doesn't. But the confusing thing is, is this is listed as his first appearance, but when he first shows up. What does he say? He's like, since Captain America and the Defenders contributed to the failure of my recent psionic experiments, then it says at the bottom, see Captain America 268 and Defenders number 106. Now, I don't know how that's possible if this is his first appearance. Right. 
unless maybe they just never explained in those stories that there was someone else behind the scenes right. or something. I have no idea. M- yeah, maybe it was just his goons. So like, right? Maybe maybe they're just trying to give a reason for these like knights showing up in other stories right, to being right, these right. For, you know being bad guys, just random bad mm-hmm. guys for Cap and the defenders to fight. Right. But. S- so... I I honestly don't know what else to say about the story. It's no, it's I have nothing. To it's say. just <laughs> it's just about as jumbled as my description of it was. Like right. uh, things just start happening without reason, um, and not much story is going on. You just kind of see Spider Man and Wolverine fighting some medieval robots. Right. It's just I don't know. Again, it's like I used to. I I don't want to hold this against J.M. Dematias, but this is making me not want to read his other comics from this era because this is his whole run has been pretty bad. And like, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I just can't wait for him to leave the title. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember seeing this cover. Oh, by the way, we should talk about the cover. Uh, I hate this cover. Yeah. There's really no reason for this fisheye effect where Wolverine's one leg is gigantic. Yeah. It's not even really accurately done, right? No, the foreshortening is not great. No, it's terrible. I don't, I don't mind the arm coming towards uh, yeah, that's, the viewer. That's fine. Okay. The legs yeah. look very weird, right? And even Spider-Man's hand seems like off and weirdly sized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this one, this was not a great issue. No, I, I, don't, I was happy to see Wolverine's yellow and brown costume, though. Me I, too. I, I love this Wolverine costume. It's definitely oh, yeah, my favorite. It's, absolutely. I don't think anyone on Earth actually likes the yellow and blue. I think they like this one. Yeah. But it's, Marvel, it's... I don't know what happened, but they put them back in the yellow and blue one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and we should also point out, this is from May 1982. I think this was even before Wolverine's miniseries. So if you'll notice, he doesn't even have his classic logo there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that logo looks like it was just made up on the spot. Huh. So... Yeah, once again, I cannot recommend this issue. No. Um, I don't think this has ever been reprinted, and I can see why. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. You know? Yeah, there. I, I don't even know what I, what I could possibly take away from this. Like, <laughs> it it feels almost like um, they took some characters and like put them in like an evil funhouse, right? With some of the things that happened, like. Like we see Spider-Man, uh, like a when he first gets into the castle, like a portcullis falls on him, and he's like jumping through obstacles, and then yep. they run into a room, and there's these Roman guys eating fruit and lounging around, and then they turn into robots, and mm-hmm. like their head flies out and shoots at Wolverine, and the <laughs> arms with like fists start shooting out too, and Wolverine yep. slices them up, and then and then that's it. Like once he slices some people up it's done and they move on to the next room and there's a new obstacle in their way, like a giant robot. They right. slash him up a little bit and that's done. They run into the next thing and there's an airplane and uh, then a tank comes rolling in and Wolverine comes and slices them again. Like there's no like, right. e- even the random things that are happening, they're not being dealt with in creative ways. They're just being no. thrown at the characters and then, Wolverine slashes them, Spider-Man punches them, and it's done, and it, they move on to the next weird thing that happens to them. Right. So. It's just, it's like a lot of, uh, 
J- James Dematis's scripts, they're just very random. Yeah. They're just very, there's a lot of crap just thrown against the wall to see what sticks, it seems mm-hmm. like, you know? And, and like, what about this story is a Spider-Man or a Wolverine story? Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Like, like there, there's no, like, friendly neighborhood, like, villain that's going on. Like, they're not terrorizing New York. Uh, right. If Spider-Man's being thrown into like a Wolverine story, there's no like mutant action going mm-hmm. on. There's no like there's no real real reason for a Wolverine to be thrown in. Um, there is like a throwaway line where the where Mr. Power Professor Power says something like, "Oh, thank goodness, just in time. I wanted to start studying superheroes." So uh, I guess that, yeah. but like. It doesn't even really feel like these two characters were abducted. No, you're right. You're right. You're like, right. It, like it would have been much better. Like with um, if if we have, I, I we kind of see Wolverine being like gassed and taken away, but mm-hmm. Spider Man just kind of swings into the forest once mm-hmm. once he realizes what's going on. Like, there's no reason for him to know to go to this forest. And go to the specific spot. He just starts swinging there. That's a good point. Like yeah. having them both captured could be fun. Like even even if like the start of the story is the two of them waking up and not remembering how they got into this place. That would have been better. That would have been so much better because then, yeah. you know, the, both the reader and the heroes would be trying to understand what the hell's going on at the same time. Right. And and it could be more of a mystery of like why are there these knights going on? Why are there are a bunch of like fun house, like obstacles that we have to get past, like what's going on. And then slowly we can start realizing like, Oh, these are robots, huh? Oh, whoa, there's cameras going on everywhere. Like, why are we yeah. being recorded? And then we learn later on that this supervillain stole these superheroes and put them in this facility to learn and like right. understand how their superpowers work. That would make so much more sense. But instead we ha- kind of have this jumbled up story that it's just kind of mashed together and, nothing really makes sense yeah I, that's a good point you're right like there's a bet there's always a like in in any story no matter how bad it is i find the more like a mystery it is the better it is yeah and this is not a mystery at all it's just a big mess mm-hmm. so i definitely do not recommend this story and i will never read it again no i don't i don't ever want to read this honestly the marvel team-ups have been so awful i know i, I can't wait for uh some fresh ideas to start coming through because Exactly. Yeah, not not super I, fun. We're still unfortunately we're stuck with JM for a few. I think another uh, several weeks. So we'll have to see how that turns <sighs> out. All right. But anyway, but anyway, okay. So let's jump over to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number sixty-six. Yes, I um, loved this one. Yes, me too. Uh, and I, I starting with the cover, which is amazing. It's so good. It's I think yes. it's one of my. F- favorite covers we've talked about on the podcast Mm -hmm. it's so fun Mm -hmm. um i really love the shading and the lighting that they used uh the background behind everything is great it's all white and it's kind of everything is outlined in this red and blue and like bright colors like a neon city almost uh in the foreground we have uh uh uh, we have electro electro yep um Sorry, 
kind of stumbling over my words there. No problem. Uh, yeah, we have Electro and Spidey, and uh, Spider-Man's being held over Electro's head as he's being zapped, and they're standing right. on this giant neon sign that says "Epic." Right, and it's, Epic Illustrated. Uh, yep. Yeah, and it's it's part of the cup, like it's part of the building. It's not just right. the, the words that are slapped on top of the cover. It's kind of right. um, digestive. Right. And also, and the logo, the actual Spider-Man logo itself is the top of the building behind it's them. It's so good. Yeah, it's, yes. it's really, really great. Especially, we have to point out that this was, you know, this is before Photoshop and computers. Right. So this is all hand-drawn, right? So. I mean, even the uh, approved by the comics code is yeah. is a sign in the background. Like, it's so right. clever. Uh, mm-hmm. Really great coloring. The The poses are, are really good. I, I yeah. love this cover so much. And a quick note, are you familiar with Epic Illustrated? No. So Epic was, I guess you could say what Epic was to Marvel, what Vertigo was to DC. Okay. Yeah, so it was created uh, to basically compete with the independent comics mm-hmm. um, you know, field or whatever you want to say. Because independent comics were coming up at this time. And so Marvel created Epic Illustrated as a way for... Um, Marvel creators to have their own creator own stuff in like a Marvel book. Mm-hmm. So that way it, they, it's kind of like now they, they used to do it with member icon. Yes. Yeah. Like Mar- Mark Millar, if he, or Mark Miller, if he wanted to do kick-ass instead of bringing kick-ass to image comics, they would let him do it through icon. And so back in these days it was done through Epic illustrated. Hmm. And then once Epic, the magazine was going for a year or two, they started giving them their, their own monthly series. And so you'd see like Dreadstar and, you know, just other, whatever else might have been. But this was just a way to kind of just plug Epic Illustrated. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Okay, so yeah, so now we can jump into the issue. This this is such a great opening to the story. I love yeah. this holding cell that Electro is in. We see him bandaged up in these like... Um, these like rubber, I think they are insulated uh, bandages, so he can't use yes. his electric powers. And he's in this like chamber, almost Hannibal Lecter style, tied up, standing straight right. up. And there's these uh, robot arms that are yes. kind of connected to the walls that the uh, the the guards are using to give him things when they're needed. So mm-hmm. uh, right now. They're doing some maintenance and changing a feeding tube, uh, right. so that way they that way they don't have to untie him for him to like get his water and and mm-hmm. food and stuff like that. And one of the Waldos gets caught on some wires, and as mm-hmm. they're trying to maneuver out, uh, it makes contact with Electro, which he then uses his uh, electricity to kind of run through the Waldo and zap the guards, and he starts to make his escape. And I got to point out, there's a great sequence where we see that the two guards are watching through like, um, like behind like a glass shielding, whatever. And there's a point where uh, the guy points out, he's like, that canister's metal, something Dylan's never supposed to come into contact right. with. And the guy who's operating the robots is like, what should I do? And the guy's like, don't panic, Charlie, but for God's sake, bring it in before. And then the narration says, all it takes is the blink of an eye. And there's four panels that show him blinking it's so cool it's eh? so good yeah yep. it's really great um and then it, it kind of reminds me of like the way in the x-men movies like magneto would be held in a in like in the a all plastic, plastic prison right. yeah 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 it's Something really good 
Um, yep. And like at first I was thinking like, why would they even put a, a metal canister in there? But like I didn't mind it because it was it was such great storytelling and right. really clever way to have him break out of prison. I was like mm-hmm. completely enthralled in this uh, beginning of the story. I had yep. a lot of fun with it. So yeah, right. we see him escape and he kind of runs through the city and we catch up with uh, Peter Parker as he uh, he drops in on um, Marcy. Right, the and, girl who I believe he had sexual relations with, but it's not. We're not really sure. Right. But. So that's that was something I was pretty confused about when reading the story. Right. Because, because later because, on, yeah, wasn't that the end of last issue, or was it I, two issues ago? I believe it was last issue. We okay. see Marcy kind of like, uh, like. Uh, uh, She's like yeah, dressed. It was last issue. Yeah, yeah. She's got her top, you know, buttoned down to her navel. And she's like, yeah, so why don't we just eat in? So, I mean, gee, I wonder what happened there. But now in this yeah, issue. Yeah, she's like, she's like standing in the doorway, like seductively right. and like tells P- Peter Parker to come in. And it's kind of, it kind of like leaves it on a high note. Like, oh, look, P- Peter Parker is fine. Can finally catch a break and is, is with this girl. Right. right. And then in this one. She like Peter like lifts her up and is like being flirty and like yeah look yeah. at I'm so excited and she's like that is completely inappropriate don't ever touch me like that I'm just helping you yeah. study it's like whoa what, the hell what? is that yeah. yeah it was it's like a complete 180 on her character I'm uh-huh. I was really confused as to what was going then, on there but. but the other thing too is that Peter reacts he, in, in his thought bubble he's like I hope my enthusiasm didn't frighten Marcy I really do like her as a friend what what yeah yeah so. Either this is going somewhere, either this is planned, or it's just like a weird inconsistency in her characterization. Yeah. But um, but I just want to back up before we jump too far ahead. Um, I just want to say when Electro is breaking out of the prison on page digital page five, mm-hmm. I think it's some really cool storytelling. How he electrocutes all the guards, and then he kind of like smashes through the wall, and then we see him electrocuting like the guard tower. Yeah. You see that. I love that. And then he leaps over to the um, to the telephone pole. Yeah, it's just really well done. Like again, like at first glance, I'm not sure if Jim Mooney is the perfect match as an inker. Like you might just look at this art and think it's kind of plain, but Ed Hannigan is such a good artist and such a good storyteller that I really enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I love how he's like skiing on the electrical wires too. Like he's using it right. to like shoot across and travel fast. Really yep. good. So yeah. yeah, as we're like at the same time that uh, Peter Parker is uh, talking with Marcy, and that's all going on, we see uh, Electro start to kind of um, terrorize the city a little bit, and he's attacking this bridge, and um, mm-hmm. like it looks like he like ex- he starts like exploding parts of a boat. Um, so when we catch up with Peter Parker and uh, that thing kind of goes down with Marcy. He turns on the radio and mm. uh, realizes what's going on with Electro and he ditches Marcy. Of course. Like kind of swings out the window and Marcy's kind of shocked and uh, in disbelief that he would just leave Maybe. all his books and everything. I think in this case she might deserve it, but that's just... Yeah. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, yeah, so we see uh, J. Jonah Jameson also, um, he sees Electro kind of uh, 
wrecking havoc and uh, Spider-Man swing by. So he gets out of his taxi and starts running towards the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, we catch up with Spider-Man as he confronts Electro and they start fighting. Uh, there's this really kind of like cheesy comic book moment that I love where Spider-Man goes into this lab and puts on some rubber gloves so he can start yes. punching Electro without getting uh, as hurt as he was before. Right. But uh, in the long haul, it doesn't really matter because Electro zaps him and he gets away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so afterwards, Spider-Man kind of has to develop some insulated armor to put underneath his costume. For, right. Uh, so that way the next time they uh, they tussle, he can kind of hold his own. But I got to point out that he does this by taking a rubber air mattress that coincidentally is also colored red and blue. Right. <laughs> and he's able to cut it up and and fashion it into a fill-in Spider-Man suit. It's so I fun. It's hilarious that I mean, okay, granted it doesn't have the webs, but it's the exact same design otherwise. Yeah. He even goes as far as to put in his one-way eye lenses to give him the eyes. That's mm-hmm. so cool, you know? I also love that like the the part where you blow into the air mattress to to inflate it is like his belly button. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, if you look yeah, on, on original cool. 18, uh, yep. digital 19, yeah, it's like right there. So his belly button is, the, it's it's just really clever and I, I really love that. Yep. Um, so that way, yeah, the, the so like when he first uh, faces him again, he's like completely enthralled in electricity and mm-hmm. it looks like he might be down for the count, but it uh, doesn't affect him and surprises Electro. Right. So yeah, they're they're fighting. They uh, kind of battle a little bit, and then um, Spidey ends up tricking Electro and uh, webbing him up, and hands him over back to the police. And uh, uh, that's pretty much where we end things off. Yeah, like it kind of wraps up, and then Jay Jonah, Jay Jonah James yeah. is kind of depressed because he didn't things didn't turn out he wanted them to. And then uh, Spidey is, oh, we get this, again, this sort of Ditko-esque uh, shot of Spider-Man standing so on top of a good. building. And he's like, he's like, uh, well, but it worked like a charm while, it, while I wore it. I managed to beat Electro. Uh, but in the process, I alienated Marcy, almost got myself killed and ruined a perfectly good costume. Sometimes I wonder why I bother. So once again, it's a Stan Lee, Steve, Steve Ditko-esque ending, yeah. right? Where he wins, but he loses. It's so good. You have yep. like, it's it looks like it's about to start to rain too. The sun's right. going down. Uh, or uh, probably rising actually, because this fight just took place during the night. Um, so mm-hmm. the sun is just starting to rise. It's about to rain. And we have this uh, newspaper flying into the mm-hmm. foreground. And we see the Spider-Man dies, which is the uh, the newspaper that uh, J. Jonah Jameson is kind of upset about. Right, right. And so it really ties the whole thing in that just happened pr- uh, uh, prior to this. It's such a right. great ending to, to a, a comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, is, you know, like this digital copy is a recreation of the original comic. It hasn't been recolored or anything. So the colors are all mismatched and they go outside the lines. And, and yeah. as I said, you know, I love Jim Mooney, but his inking, it's not the perfect match for this art. So again, I can imagine like a modern reader thinking the art is a little bit maybe sloppy. But I think the thing is, is that this is like an older style of art where they didn't care if it looked like it was drawn they didn't care if it looked you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's very it's very inky it's very obvious that it's a 
hand-drawn comic book and they don't try to make it slick you know i think this story is very golden age too right so, right. so yeah, the, you can say that so the older style uh with like the the both the art and the inking kind of being mm-hmm. mismatched printed on the page and not completely in the lines like i i love it i love that feel right of like that old style comic so i think Absolutely. the art and the story really lend to that too Totally, I agree. Um, I think that if this were a story like the Marvel team up we just read, I don't know if we would be as forgiving with the art. No, be- no, you're because right. it do- it wouldn't really lend itself to the story or what's going on. Where this, right. I think, is like a perfect blend of everything. Right, I agree. So this is this is one hundred percent a comic I would recommend to anybody. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Oh my this god, is again- I, I loved it. Bill Mantlo and Ed Hannigan, I mean, the Moneyball team of the Spidey era of this time. Like, yeah. just, I didn't really expect it to be this good, but yeah, they are, uh, they're hitting it out of the park every time. It's yeah, great. It's fantastic. So, yeah, so there you go. Another good, well, two thirds good month of yeah. Spider Man comics. Once again, um, we're still disappointed by the run by J.M. Dematias and Herb Trimpey on Marvel Team Up. But otherwise, Amazing was a good fill-in. And Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man by Bill Mantlo and Ed Hannigan was really good. Yeah. So those two are definitely recommended. Oh, for sure. So yeah, so yeah, you can take it from here, Josh. Sure. Um, you guys can check us out at the Comic Book Syndicate on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also find us at the Comic Book Syndicate on youtube and facebook and at comic syndicate on twitter we'd love to hear back from you guys let uh, let us know what you think about the podcast itself and the issues that we're reading um and make sure you tune in for next week's episode where we talk about amazing spider-man number 229 marvel team up 118 and the spectacular spider-man number 67 that's right so as we said this is your favorite (laughs) spider-man bronze age comic book podcast there's a new episode every monday so until next week this has been here comes the spider cast all right see you then